0: I decided to jump out of the book of Daniel today and head to James. Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to get back to Daniel. I'd, it was my intent. Uh, we had a couple chapters left, but I'd like to talk t- about the issue of perseverance this morning, out of Dan- uh, James chapter one. Excuse me. First verse of James says. He's a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. He writes to the twelve scattered tribes. What's not spoken is fairly important here. Most commentators will say that this was the biological brother of Jesus. Now, I've been a brother and I've watched brothers. Very rarely does one of them call themselves a servant of the other. They're their goal is to be Lord. <laughs> As an older brother, I can tell you that that was uh, part of my biological inheritance that needed to be stamped on our family. Uh, my brothers didn't see it that way, and so we had a number of encounters over the years. Thankfully, in recent years, we've all moderated from that view. But I uh, for me to read this and know what I do about brothers, this man believed that he was serving the Lord Jesus Christ. He, if, if it was true that he was related this way, and he's not inferring that relationship or promoting himself that, just saying, "I'm a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ," he's recognizing that there was something much more significant than this biological connection, and that his own salvation was tied to this person. The other point that I want to bring out in this intro is that he mentions the scattered tribes, and that's an idea of being pushed out. And among the Christians, anyway, early on, the religious leaders of Jerusalem had forced them out. But uh, tied to that, you think of a kid stomping on puddles and water being dispersed. That's kind of the image of the church, you know, that big hand coming down or that foot and and it being pushed outward. So he's writing to people that have moved away from where they were naturally settled, where they didn't necessarily want to leave, but there was a force involved with that. that. That's important to this first chapter. Before I go further, I should... And should have done this last week, but we have an honored member in our midst, uh, the State Senior Citizen Volunteer of the Year, (laughs) Yvonne. It's an awesome... (laughs) I didn't see you at first, but it's a big deal, isn't it? It's very cool. Back to James. <laughs> so with that intro, he, he steps into it and he says, Perseverant, um, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. He says, the struggles that you have in life are a good thing. He's not trying to tell you get away from him, escape him, dodge him, ignore him, uh, find distractions. He's just saying what you enter into is a part of life and it's a good thing. We don't like to hear that. I like to hearken back um, to my childhood, which in my memory was rather idyllic. I've chosen to filter out the things that weren't. What I remember were days laying in the grass, contemplating each blade, dog near my side, you know, uh, sun shining down, and really not a care in the world. I don't remember how many of those days I had, but that's my idyllic memory. I don't have too many of those days now. We were talking about it earlier earlier. If I were to do that in my front yard, somebody would call someone and say, get him out of there, right? You know, it just, get an ambulance, get the health workers, you know, he should not be laying in his front yard looking at the grass. It's just not acceptable. We recognize that there's significant amount of struggle in life, but what there's, writer is declaring is that this is appropriate and even can be considered with joy because of where it takes us. He says you're going to be mature and complete when you finish this, not lacking anything. So there's, there's an end that's good out of all of this. It's, it's valuable to you. So in, in our faith mindset... There's an awareness that no matter what I'm looking at now and the struggles of this life, there's a purpose to all of this, and the end is valuable. That's, that makes us a people of hope. That makes us a people of confidence that says, it doesn't really matter what's going on today. I know that this has a happy ending. And so I can walk in joy as I walk through this. Paul makes a a very similar declaration in Romans. He says, We rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. So so there's this process involved that we're a part of. Jesus, in John chapter 16, talks about the scattered. You know, you're going to be scattered. He makes this declaration to his followers. Then he says, I've told you these things, so that in me you <laughs> in me you may have peace. In this world you have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. So he's predicting this kind of conflict and, and difficulty, but he's saying it's a have peace over it because it ends well. What goes on in this next portion of the chapter, I think in some ways, is still dealing with this issue and some of the ways that we try to dodge it or escape it or move away from it, but he confronts different issues. The first one that comes up when we're entering into a situation that we don't like is, why is this happening to me? I don't understand it. I don't get it. And he makes this comment, if you lack wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. We have the opportunity to go to God and say, would you help me understand why I'm in this? And he says, he gives generously without finding fault. It's not a declaration back to you saying, well, I would, but you're just too dumb. Or I would, but you you just you wouldn't accept it if I told you. Or I'd tell you, but you know you just don't get it. That's not the way God sees us or treats us. He says there's a generosity about him that gives without finding your fault or just saying, well, you, you didn't get it before. You didn't care. You didn't apply. You didn't. He doesn't find fault. He's willing to give. When he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he doubts us like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. The challenge when we ask is not to function in unbelief or a lack of faith or that flip-flop. I don't know if he spoke or not. I don't, you know. I think of the waves over by the break wall. You know, often they're they're going every direction, right? He says. It's easy to get caught up in that if you're just gathering opinions and never stepping forward. You know how irritating it is when somebody comes to you and says, you know, what do you think about this? What should I do? You pour yourself out, you give your best, and then they, you see them running to the next person, what do you think I should do? And then they run to someone else, what do you think I should do? And finally, maybe they hear what they want to hear, or they just don't care, and, you know, You're just another number. Maybe it's a poll taking. But I feel about that kind of the same way that I do about telemarketing. I'd like to take an opinion survey, and it's like, please take my name off your list. I'd just rather not participate in that democratic event. You know, what's the majority say? He's saying when when we come to the Lord and we take that approach, that it really doesn't bear fruit. And I want to encourage you that if you ask of the Lord and you receive an answer from Him, it's very important to follow that then, rather than to just say, well, <laughs> that's not really what I thought I'd hear or what I wanted to hear. Because there's a danger then of even losing that sense of what His voice is about. It says, that man should not think he'll receive anything from the Lord He's double-minded and unstable in all he does. The next issue, as I see it, is, is money or wealth. We tend to blame a lot of our problems in not having enough. But he says, The brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high position, but the one who is rich should take pride in his low position because he will pass away like a wild The sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant, he says there's a frailty about wealth that shifts. And at times we think, oh, I'm settled. Got enough money. And then a little while later, oh, no, it wasn't quite what I thought it would be. Now I need more. Or there's this temptation to put all of the confidence, if I, if I get everything lined up financially, then it's, it'll all be settled. He's saying that the issues of life are more significant than the wealth that we have or we hope to have. And, and, and there's an addressing of just this, this isn't as stable as what you think. He says in that sense, if, if you're living in a state of lack, he says don't be too bothered by that. But also if you have wealth, don't be too confident in it. It's not the sole answer to things. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. So there's almost a restatement of this initial thing. Because when he stood the test, he'll receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. So there is an eternal wealth, so to speak, that goes beyond what's a part of this life. We have this hope of the crown of life. He says there is an eternal opportunity here. And that's what your eyes need to be upon. Let's go on. The next issue. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. In other words, some of the trials that we have come in the form of temptation to abandon what God has laid out for us. And there's a thing that comes in us and say, well, it's God's fault. He knows the way I'm wired, so why did He allow this to take place, or why is this in front of me? It says, God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does He attempt anyone, but each one's tempted when by his own evil desire he's dragged away and enticed. When I look at some of the sin connected with my life, I can go back a long ways. It was, it was a part of me very early on. And I, I, I look at that, I'm kind of going, it's almost like I was wired that way. And I was bent from the beginning. Yeah, <laughs> that's how severe the issues are. And yet, in Christ, there's this opportunity for a rewiring, so to speak. In Christ, we have this potential of changing what was with us even from birth, where we begin to see things and we say, you're right, that really is evil, but I've I've looked at it this way from, from infancy. And yet, in God, there's this privilege of having those things changed and turned. And calling out to him and saying, you know what? I, I see the end of this. I see that if I give in to this, that it's death. Dragged away and enticed, but it's, it has to do with what's been core in me, and yet in God there's an opportunity of, of seeing a transformation. And not yielding to this. It says, every good and perfect gift from above it comes from above coming down from the Father with heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. God's willing to bring that goodness into us. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth. He spoke to us what is right, and He opens up our life in newness to something that goes beyond what even was a part of us from early on new life in Him, birth by the Word, hearing what's appropriate. So when I open up this Scripture and, and I'm reading and I'm realizing this is not the way that I view things. This is not the way that I've lived. There's an opportunity for me to say, but this is truth. And if I will allow Him to, I now that I see it, He will also bring that into being as a part of me. That's what that new life is about. So he, he has good intent and good plans. The next things that he addresses that often challenges us when we're persevering and walking through trial is anger. My brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. I have a lot of conversations nowadays about parenting. And I hear this phrase, Well, it's really important not to discipline while you're angry. I have a different take on that. I feel that anger drives us to action. I feel there are times when it's completely appropriate to act. It's just appropriate not to act ungodly. And so part of that stirring, when that little critter is doing something they shouldn't be doing, is saying, I can't let this keep going year after year after year. It has to be addressed, and it should be addressed early rather than late. And in me, there's something that says, I'm riled up, so what do I need to do to see that this doesn't continue? That to me is, is you know, call to do something, adrenaline running, but how do I bring this about in, a, in an appropriate measure? He goes, it's be quick to listen and slow to speak. Slow to become angry. It's not the blow up. It's not the explosion of emotion. But let it... (laughs) Don't just charge, but consider. Man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. So it's, what is the righteous response, now that I'm riled? If you take enough time to think that through then that I would suggest that your response is going to be a response that God desires. But he's not calling you to just say, oh, I better quick shelve this because, you know, something could happen. That's nuts. It doesn't work. You're riled for a reason. But it's take that energy into a godly root. Next thing, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that's so present, prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. So again, one of the things that sidetracks a perseverance is just saying, this is what I enjoy more or this is what seems more pleasing for the day and stepping into immorality and, and foolish behavior and just saying, Yes, eh, the struggle's too much. I'll just do what I like. He says, abandon that kind of lifestyle. Don't listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. In other words, you get a word from the Lord. You've asked for wisdom. You receive it. Then apply it, do what it says don 't don 't say well it, you know it's it 's difficult don 't allow that complacency or stagnation or inactivity come upon you where you just sit rather you 've been given the direction now follow through and Finally, I think he addresses forgetfulness you know the 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 willingness just to abandon things because it's too much trouble to deal with. Anyone who listens to the world but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. It's ridiculous, but I've discovered that in recent years. There's a beard on the guy that I look in the mirror at right now, and it still catches me by surprise. (laughs) It's a foolish thing. He says, don't let that kind of foolishness be a part of the rest of your life. Don't catch this glimpse of God and his desires, and then walk away forgetting what he's revealed to you. Catch it. Cherish it. Embrace it. Walk in it. says, if you do that, says the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. So in other words, the word that comes from the Lord actually releases you, brings you into fullness. He says freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he's heard, but doing it. He will be blessed in what he does. So going back to this first part, Count of joy when you have trials. Saying if you will take the word that comes, put it into life, he says there is a blessing that is participant in that. What an awesome little chapter, huh? Praise the Lord. Why don't you stand with me? Ask the worship team to come back. We read your scripture. And we realize that it applies to life. Just as Jerry read from this same book earlier in regard to anger and words, we looked at this passage, Lord, if, if there's an individual today that's wrestling with anger issues and is having difficulty settling this I pray that you give them a sense of peace over doing what is right and help them to accept your word and embrace it as truth and freedom and the source of blessing for life. I pray for each one that would be struggling through issues unique to their life. I pray that you will enable them to trust you and to see the prize that's in front of them, the opportunity of receiving the crown of life. Establish hope strong in their hearts, I pray. We thank you that that's our privilege, the new life in you. Amen.